Our scripture reading for today comes from John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's been a while since I've been here, and it's, it's good to, to be with each and every one of you. This is a pretty powerful text. It, it's short, but it's powerful. Are we aware that the thief, our enemy, Satan, comes to rob, to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus Christ has come to offer us life, life more abundantly? And so today, we are going to begin a new sermon series titled Tech Wise. And through it, as a result of it, that we would experience more abundant life. Now, this sermon series has been difficult because, for me, simply because it is convicting. It makes me uncomfortable. And as we work through this, um, you're going to uh, be convicted and uncomfortable as well because I, I don't want to be uncomfortable alone. I might as well share this good news with you so that you can be there with me. But it is difficult because it exposes the weaknesses that I have and for me to have to admit that life can be stressful sometimes. How many know that life can be stressful sometimes? Yes. And so what do you do when you are trying to decompress, when you're trying to deal with that stress? I know for myself that sometimes I like to just zone out in front of the television and do nothing, right? How many do that? Yeah. Or maybe play some games on my iPad or just simply scroll through social media and doesn't really you think, it requires much. You can just kind of sit there and, 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 and zone out, right? Am I alone? How many of y'all do that? Yeah, we're all guilty of doing that. And, but did you know and realize that in 2019, there was a survey of 1,600 students that was completed by Common Sense Media, which I think is a, a, an odd title, Common Sense Media, and they found that teens we're spending an average of seven hours and 22 minutes a day on their phones. So that is almost eight hours. And that students ages of eight to 12 were not far behind that they spent four hours and 44 minutes a day. So almost five hours a day on their cell phones. And that doesn't include, you think, well, that probably has... Uh, because of homework and, and having to do some homework online. No, that, that is the time online before the homework. You add the homework time in there, and uh, the high school students spend nine hours and 49 minutes, which is almost 10 hours a day. And then for those 8 to 12-year-olds, it's five hours and 49 minutes. And so it is almost six hours a day on the phone. That is a lot of time. But the data for adults isn't a whole lot better. According to eMarketer, the average adult in the U.S. spends almost four hours a day on their cell phones or on some kind of mobile device. And the number of hours may be less than the young people, the students, but the impact that it has on adults may be much greater. 
And again, research shows that on average, and I was blown away by this one, on average, adults check their phones roughly 58 times a day. That is a lot. And are we even aware that we're doing it? 58 times a day. And according to a study by the University of California, Irvine, it takes an average of 23 minutes for us to get back into the deep focus of the tasks that we were doing before we had to check our cell phone. You know how you get those uh, texts or little notifications, and we're constantly checking that, but then it takes us 23 minutes then to get back into what we were doing before. And that's a lot of time as well. And according to American Psychology Association, even brief mental blocks can cause us to lose as much as 40% of our productive time. And to me, it's just mind-blowing because it says that how distracted we are. And data like this can cause us to ask questions, I wonder how much time I really do spend on some kind of electronic device whether it's a cell phone or an iPad. And then it leads to the next question of, am I addicted to to technology? And if I am, why is that? What's going on? What am I trying to get from technology? What am I searching for? And what is technology actually costing me? And, And I don't mean in dollar cents. And how can I use technology in a healthy way? Because it can be used in a healthy way. Technology can be good. For those of you who are watching online, we're glad that you're watching. But how can we set those healthy boundaries? These are questions that I hope that we are going to be able to answer through this sermon series titled TextWise. And TechWise was chosen for several reasons. But first of all, I want to be very clear that we're not trying to communicate that technology is bad. It's just that it doesn't need to rule or to take over our lives, that technology should never replace being in community with one another, that it should never dominate our life. But the same could be true about any tool. Uh, It doesn't have to be electronics. I have seen an example of this. Uh, Maybe I've been in restaurants where I've seen uh, couples sitting at the dinner table and and instead of visiting with one another, they're doing this on their phones. And I have seen uh, in airports or on an airplane where people would introduce themselves to one another, maybe have a little visit, But no longer does that seem to happen because of looking at the cell phones. And how many times do we really miss those special moments in life through the back of a phone? Uh, I realized when I was at my little granddaughter's Wii School program at the end of the year and how all of us proud parents and grandparents didn't want to miss a thing. We had our cell phones up trying to record that, but really it wasn't as good as putting it down and actually being present and witnessing what was actually going on. And so people need to learn to be present in the moment and to not forever being on their phones and being in another land and another, another space. 
We need to learn to set those how-to boundaries and to actually become tech-wise. And so the second reason why we created uh, the title TechWise is because every good Methodist loves acronyms, okay? And the Methodist Church is famous for those acronyms. I mean, you have the SPRC, Staff Parish Relations Committee, right? Uh, there is the DCOM, which stands for the District Committee of Ordained Ministry. And so, and here we have TechWise. And so today we are going to be t- talking about T, the letter T, which means to take time to be bored, or better translated, take time to be still and to be quiet on the inside. And then over the next three weeks, we will discuss E, which is to enjoy who you are with and engage who you are with. And then C is to create rather than consume. And then H is to have a plan. But before we begin, let me just say that this series was heavily influenced by three books in in preparation for it. And I recommend all three books highly. The first one is titled Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. The second one is Tech Tech Wise Life, and it was written by Amy Crouch, who is Andy Crouch's 19-year-old daughter, and uh, it is really good. And it's very interesting what she has to say uh, about technology. And then the third one is Reclaiming Conversations uh, by Sherry uh, Turkle. And the information that she gives is mind-blowing. But let me give you one more piece of data before we move on. When it comes to actual screen time, how much time that we are spending, often the generation millennials gets a bad rap that people automatically assume it's the younger generation that spends the most time in front of the screen. But where that is true, they do spend a lot of time. Apple's own screen time tracking system has revealed that not only millennials, but Gen Xers and baby boomers, all three generations, spend a total of one month out of the year screen time in front of their, in front of their phones. So what could possibly cause three generations of people to spend a month of their life out of the year in front of a screen? And I think that there is one word to that answer, and it is fear. Which leads to the next question of what is it that we do fear? What do we fear? Because we have an unhealthy, imbalanced fear of being bored. And as I said, that is really translated being still and being quiet. We have that fear of not being in the know. The fear of becoming aware of what is truly going on inside of us. Because as I said before, I'm guilty of zoning out in front of the TV or playing games, but really not wanting to settle down and to look at how the day went and to begin to evaluate, maybe God would like to show me something or to talk to me about that. And it seems that we want to be distracted or to escape that present moment and uh, to be somewhere else. And we're afraid of being in touch with our emotions or becoming mindful of the brokenness that might be inside of us or even becoming aware of the Holy Spirit maybe convicting us because 
our behavior really hasn't been very well, or maybe there is a relationship uh, that needs to be worked upon. And so we're afraid of what God is going to say to us when we actually do become still and become quiet and to get quiet enough inside to even hear his voice speak. And so this desire to avoid this stillness, this quietness, or possibly being bored is what draws us to our phones and to our iPads. Listen to the words of Sherry Turkle from her book, Reclaiming Conversations. We say we turn to our phones when we're bored, and we often find ourselves bored because we have become accustomed to constant feed of connection, information, and entertainment. We are forever elsewhere. Our phones give a false sense of demanding little and giving a lot. And I want you to hear that, that our phones give us a false sense of demanding little and giving a lot. And the opposite is actually true. Our phones and technology often demand a lot out of us, but they really don't give us as much in return. So I want to remind us of our scripture verse this morning in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, meaning Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And again, I want to reiterate that I don't think that technology is bad, but how do we use that tool determines its result. Is it a tool that is helpful for you, or is it a tool that dominates you? And could it possibly be that the thief, our enemy, Satan, has found a way to steal that abundant life that God so much wants to provide and to simply give us and by putting a screen in our hands? Could it be that Satan has given us this lie, the enemy, that screens and technology give us much but require little of us? So let's look into the book of Genesis to help us with that answer. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about how God created. That right there alone, sometimes our phones and too much time in front of a screen robs us of that creativity. We are created in the image of God. We have that creative ability. God created all things, and we hear how God created light and water and land and the animals and human beings. But we also discover that God had an intent for his creation. In Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And so God created us, and he created the environment in which we live, and his intent for us is for it to be good. And not only for it to be good, but for it to be very good. And so from Genesis 1, we see that God desires for us to live an abundant life because we serve a God of abundance. And three verses earlier in verses 28 and 30 in Genesis 1 says that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. 
They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And so right there is a beautiful passage of showing us the abundance of what God desires for us to receive. And yet, what happened? Well, what happened was is that Adam and Eve began to listen to the whisper of the serpent. And in chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that? That you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So do you see the, the subtlety of what the enemy is, is tempting Eve with here? That this serpent is trying to convince Eve that, uh, that what she is about to do is going to cost her little? Because he says, you will certainly not die, so it's not going to cost you anything, not, not much. And that it will give her much because you will be like God. So... It's very deceiving and subtle. And when we read this story, we find that Adam and Eve both ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And even though they did not experience the physical death, they did experience a spiritual death. And not only that, but they suffered separation from God. Their relationship with God was... um, Damaged, and the relationship with one another was damaged as well. All because they chose to believe the lie that it wouldn't cost them much and that they would receive a lot from that lie. And so this lie that Satan has told of providing much while requiring little robbed Adam and Eve of abundant life that God so desired to give them. And not only that, Satan then was able to bring division between Adam and Eve and God. And the warning for us is that if we are not careful, technology can separate us. That technology can become a trap that robs us of abundant life because we don't need to be turning to our phones for fulfillment or to be able to deal with stress. We need to be turning to God and let Him help us through that. And if you think about it, it becomes even an idol to us and it interferes with our relationship with God. So what is the answer? How do we use technology to be able to benefit us well, but for us to not fall into the trap of allowing it to rob us of abundant life? Well, today I want to give you two steps that I think will be helpful uh, in avoiding the trap with our cell phones and technology. Step number one, believe that God desires to give you abundant life. Believe it, that God desires to give you abundant life. The Greek word that is translated abundant in the Bible simply means that 
life is exceedingly beyond quality and quantity and intensely more than we can imagine. So think about that. That abundant life that God is offering us exceeds the quantity and the quality and it exceeds even our greatest expectation. That it is farther than we could even imagine that God wants to give us that abundant life. And uh, God desires uh, a life for us that is beyond comparison that our cell phones or any other electronic device could ever give us. And we ha- but we have to be engaged in our relationship with God and we have to be engaged in our relationships with other people. Uh, we cannot simply drift through life. We can't ignore what's going on in our hearts We can't ignore the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It requires a relationship. God never intended for us to live isolated lives, and he never intended for us uh, to be on an island uh, on our cell phones. That we are to be present before God, but to be present before one another. Now, step two is very easy for me to say, but it's really hard to be able to apply it. And step two is take time to be still and become quiet or take time to be bored. And that makes us uncomfortable. Uh, We don't like it uh, because we think that we have to be productive or be busy doing something all the time and that there's something wrong if we're not. And we are afraid of being still and being quiet. We're afraid of missing out on that latest update or filling every single moment of the day with consumption. And we're going to hear in a few weeks about how it is important to be created rather than uh, being creative rather than consuming. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives and not allow the technology to rule us. Listen to what the Methodist theologian E. Stanley Jones said. And by the way, he was born in 1884, and he died in 1973, long before cell phones were ever invented. But listen to this quote. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever gets your attention gets you. And so parents, do we get our children? Is our attention upon them? Or is it upon our cell phones? Whatever gets your attention gets you. And if our day is focused on consumption, then eventually we will become consumed. And remember, our phones give us a false sense of demanding little and giving us much. But the opposite is true. Our phones and technology demand a lot from us. They distract us. And yet it offers very little. We should not be using our phones to avoid life, to escape, to run from God, to not deal with problems, to not listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to embrace being still, being quiet on the inside, and let God bring healing to our lives. If we want the abundant life that God so much wants to offer us, it is vital that we take time to be still and to know God, take time to be still and to know ourselves, and to take time to be still and to know one another. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time. And while they're coming up, I want to go over a few things of the next steps for us. What we can do to avoid the phone trap and to take time to be still and to know. We can take time to look for the evidence of the abundant life that God has placed before us. How many times do we go to even check out at a grocery store and we really don't even see the person that is checking us out? Or do we even take time out to engage and have a little bit of conversation with them? And so we need to set limits on our phone and electronic device usage. And our phones have the ability to track now and to let us know actually how much time we're spending and to maybe change our goal and not spend as much time there. Uh, go for a walk and leave your phone at home. Uh, if there's an emergency, they'll leave a message. Sit outside on the porch and read a book with your phone inside or on silent. Maybe take a friend to coffee or to lunch, but don't take your phone. To be actually present in the conversation. And try turning your TV off and all the game gadgets that you have and actually have conversations with your spouse, with your kids. Maybe have board games or do something that is fun together. Because when we do this, we will be surprised at what is revealed. And one of the first things that is revealed is that we do have more creativity. But we also find that we have more time to accomplish things that we wished we had time for. But the most importantly, I think you're going to see improvement in relationships of those that you love the most, those that are sitting right in front of you. And so uh, let's take time to set our cell phones aside and to be engaged with God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, uh, we humbly come before you um, with hearts that are convicted. Lord, we, we, we just ask that you forgive us that we have made a, a, an idol out of our phones, an idol out of our iPads. Lord, that we turn to these gadgets to find peace or to find comfort, to relieve stress. And yet you're right there saying, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, and cast your burdens on me and learn from me. I, I, will, I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Lord, Help us to begin to turn to you in every moment of our day. God, give us the courage to trust you and to be still and to know that you are God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.